What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the sixth episode of the Dirty Brawlers podcast. We're going to start off this one very hot because we have officially made this person the co-host of the show. He is my friend. He is a person that I truly trust when it comes to media and MMA and all of that good stuff. Mike Strauss is the new co-host of the Dirty Brawlers podcast. Congratulations. Welcome to the show. Dude, we're going to fucking kill it. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's Like you said uh, a little bit ago, it's been a long time coming. And yeah, we're going to take this shit over, man. Thanks. Yeah, for sure, dude. And uh, I mean, UFC 236 right away. Like, this was perfectly just tailored made for us to to start talking and, and, and to host our first show together. So how about we just, we take it away. Let's talk about UFC 236. And you know what? We're going to start off giving some love to the people that aren't really getting many because Holloway and Poirier and Adesanya and Gastelum are taking all of it. Let's talk about the undercard. And, uh, well, the ESPN card and then, you know, the the pay-per-view card before the fights. Um, what fight sticks out to you the most? What fight do you think is might might steal the show or might steal a little bit of attention from UFC 236? Now we're talking just solely undercard here? We're talking everything that doesn't involve title fights. Okay. Hmm. There's a couple, but I think I think the Montel Jackson Andre Sukumdov fight, that one is definitely going to be fun, man. It's a bantamweight fight. Both those dudes are super tough. Montel Jackson needs a win. Uh, so does Andre Sukumdov. He he fought um what, Sean O'Malley. Remember he basically had that fight won. All he had to do was let dude up and for whatever reason he won it. And yeah, uh, yeah you know, both those guys are super tough. That's going to be a, a really entertaining fight. And then Bilal Mohammed Curtis Melender, that's another fight on the undercard that I think has a chance maybe to be a, a fight of the night candidate. So look at Max Griffin's fighting. He's fighting an undefeated Russian. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good fights on the undercard, man. What about um, this involves the main card? What about Eric Anders and Khalil Roundtree? What do you think of that one? That is definitely going to end in a knockout, both those guys, man. I mean... Those the, both those guys throw a hundred percent on everything. You know, Anders takes fights at 185, 205 pounds. It doesn't matter. He's truly like a throwback. He he just likes to fight. He's he's a natural athlete. He played a linebacker at Alabama. So I mean, the dude is gifted. He can he can fight. And then Khalil Roundtree, he he is like uh, he has done he he I forget which season he was on of the Ultimate Fighter. But he was a guy that not many people had high hopes for. But he's already far exceeded what people thought of him. And he, he's done really well these last couple fights, man. And I thought he had a chance to break through. But then he, he suffered a pretty bad setback uh, in his last time out. It was a really, really ugly KO to uh, Johnny Walker. Do you remember? It was just uh, in Brazil, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so he needs a win. This is going to be an exciting fight. That's definitely an end a knockout, man. We love those fights. We love those fights that <laughs> that we know are going to end in a knockout. Um, now, let me ask you this, Mike. The interim titles, we're going to switch, switch topics a little bit. The interim titles. Me, personally, I like the idea. I like the idea of having that as the unofficial slash official number one contender. Right there. Whoever has the interim title is 
the number one contender. Sometimes the UFC doesn't really follow through with their words. So what do you think of, or at least what do you make of the interim titles in the UFC? Yeah, you know, like you said, the idea of an interim title, I like the idea of it. If a champion, if a champion is going to be offered an extended period of time, like, you know, we've kind of deemed one year to be the unofficial benchmark. So if a champion is going to be out for a year or more, then I think, yes, the UFC should create an interim title permitted. And then this is a big permitted. If the winner of that interim title fight gets the very next title fight to unify the belts, or else what's the fucking point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, I, I like the idea of what they're supposed to be. Yeah, so like a good example would be if the main event of Saturday, which is Holloway Poirier, directly goes and fights Khabib in a few months. That is ideal. That's what's supposed to happen. What's not mm-hmm. supposed to happen is what happened with the welterweights. Colby Covington wins the interim championship, and then he just sits out for whatever reason. We, I mean, we really don't know who to believe still. Um, and yeah. then it's freaking um, Kamaru Usman who ends up getting the title shot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the idea is good, and it should remain, but they just have to follow through. Whose fault do you think it is that majority of the time the interim title in essence, is almost like just an extra title so someone can, can carry around a belt. Who, whose fault do you think it is that, that this think, idea isn't isn't? I think it's most, mostly the UFC and whoever's decision it is to, to add that to the pay-per-view because in this new era, they feel like they need to have a title fight or two now on every single pay-per-view card to sell it. Now, what I'm hoping is that since they recently did that ESPN pay-per-view deal now, and they're going to be having a fuckload more revenue, which is, you know, we always talk about how much money the UFC is worth, and but now they're even going to be making more money from this deal. So hopefully, hopefully one of the, the benefits, the, like the ancillary trickle-down effects, is going to be less of these titles because of that. They don't, you know, hopefully they don't need to sell that now to people because, you know, the, the, the move to ESPN, the pay-per-view move, but I think it's definitely their fault because they're creating these make-believe belts, man. Yeah, you don't even know who to who to look to as the champion. And there was so much criticism for boxing for having three or four champions in one weight class. And now the UFC is kind of stirring towards that direction. So, in, again, in essence, the interim title is a great idea. But I, I, I think you're right, man. I think the UFC not being clear enough with with what they're going to do with the interim champion is something that, you know, they they should really work on that. And I, I'm sure it's going to work out just fine with these, with these champs, with these guys that, that are going to fight at the main event on, on Saturday night. So, uh, yeah, man, how about we, we get, to, well, actually I have a question for you before, <laughs> b- before we start talking about the fights. Um, I'm a subscriber to ESPN plus, and this is just an example. Like, like for, for for people to to listen because there is still a little bit well there is still some doubt. I'm a subscriber to ESPN Plus as you are. Since I'm a subscriber, can I just go directly to the platform and watch the pay per view, or am I gonna have to buy the pay per view on the platform? No, you have to buy the first. You have to be a subscriber to ESPN Plus to have the privilege of purchasing the pay per view, but you can only have that privilege. 
if you are a subscriber and must be on the ESPN platform. So I have to pay the pay-per-view regardless. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, not the WWE model. I wish it was. Okay. All right. Well, this sucks. But but the thing is, they actually lowered the, the overall pay-per-view cost, I think, by like $10 overall, 5 or $10. So essentially, it's all working out to be the same, you know? Oh, of course. I mean, you're getting the 5 bucks for, for e- from ESPN+. Plus. I don't know how much they make from that because I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the subscribers that are on ESPN+, Plus are there because of the UFC. And now... Yeah with the pay-per-view deal that well that they got it's dude they're just making money what like hand over fist yeah it's ridiculous dude, these guys I save, yeah. I save 10 bucks on every pay-per-view because i buy it in standard definition because i watch it on my laptop so i really don't give a shit about the quality because half the time i'm typing anyway <laughs> okay yeah dude i i i buy in hd all the time sometimes I, well when the bill gets here, I regret it. But uh... yeah, don't get me wrong, man. When when I used to just when I used to watch them and like on the TV and enjoy them and have people over, for sure I'm buying it in HD. You know? Oh, dude, of course. And I mean, if, if people are, are helping to pitch in, that's that's true too. That's not an issue at all. Well, now let's talk about the fights, man, because this is what what the people want to hear. They don't want to hear me complaining about having to subscribe to ESPN Plus and then buying the pay per view. Um, Adesanya and Gastelum. Dude, if there are two people that are way more different, it, I mean, they're polar opposites, Adesanya and Gaslam. Both, like, personality-wise and their fight styles, they're completely different. What do you make of this fight? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, right, you have the striker, Adesanya, the grappler, Gaslam. But, I mean, if you look a little bit deeper, like Adesanya, he's had a thousand kickboxing fights before he even you know, turned his attention to mixed martial arts. But, you know, Gastelum, if you really look, Gastelum's had the way harder road. I mean, it's not even close. Gastelum's fought Jacare Souza, Michael Bisping, Chris Weidman, Tyron Woodley. I mean, there's a few more tough dudes that he's fought. Adesanya, his toughest test was, what, Anderson Silva, who's way past his prime. And then if you look at, at his record, the next toughest guy is Derek Brunson. Uh, he's, you know, I mean, exactly. So, there's there's a big thing to be said there, man. We really don't, you know, there's not really a bar to, to measure his success so far against. But, um, you know, other than that, there's a huge height discrepancy, obviously. Adesanya has an 80-inch reach. Gastelum is a 71-inch reach. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's crazy, <laughs> nine inches. Also, um, this is pretty interesting, man. Um, takedowns per 15 minutes. Gastelum averages uh, 0.82, so almost one. He he's his accuracy is fifty percent, so that's pretty good. That's not, that's not bad. He averages uh, pretty much no submission attempts at all. Now, but but Israel he has never attempted a takedown in his entire time in the UFC. He's never once attempted a takedown, but he defends eighty five percent of the time. So I think that's going to be the difference. I don't think Gastelum's going to be able to take Adesanya down, and I don't think Gastelum could beat Israel on the feet. Yeah, I mean, is there even a question as to why Adesanya is such a great striker? But you put together those that experience as a kickboxer and that reach advantage that he has over pretty much anyone in the division. Like, dude, it's 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 hard. And and of course, 
you just mentioned something right now. He defends what eighty five percent you said of the takedowns. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, I mean, is anyone gonna beat him? Seriously, just based on the stats, is anyone gonna beat him? I don't think Gasolim I mean, is the one. The the best argument is the one that I offered up first. You know, who has he fought? Yeah. That to me, that's the best argument because he really hasn't fought anybody that could take him down. I think the uh, the Italian guy that he fought, the Vittori, Marvin Vittori, that was a good test for him because that actually went all three rounds and people said he looked like shit. But he didn't look bad in that fight. He was just fighting a very high-level grappler. So, you know, we've seen him against that, but still that guy even had a hard time getting him down. So, yeah, man, I, you know, Gastelum's a super high-level wrestler, but I, he just he's so damn small for this division. I really think he's a natural welterweight. He just can't make the weight consistently for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know if you've watched the countdown for this for this fight. I didn't, I didn't know it was out yet. It, yeah, I, I watched it this morning, and dude, Gaslam was having the time of his life. He had a burrito that looked so freaking good. He was just, he, he looked like he was having the time of his life. And actually, you know what's funny? I didn't know that Kelvin Gaslam was so close to Victor Davila. He is a, a commentator for the UFC in Spanish. They're like really close. They're like roommates or something, or were roommates. So, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Going back to that weight issue that, that Gastelum had, well, maybe that's why he can't make 170, because he loves to eat. <laughs> yeah, well, who doesn't, right? Oh, dude, come on. I mean, and again, that burrito was, it looked really good. Um, but And you're Hispanic, so that burrito had to look good, because, you know, you, you know a good burrito. Yeah, well, I'm not big. I'm not a big burrito guy. I prefer tacos, but. Uh, I love tacos. I'm a taco guy, too. My oh, wife likes course. burritos, but I like tacos, yeah. Dude, oh, we can talk about food for ever and now but we'll still be hungry love um, mexican food too yes of course mexican and italian food it's it's up there it. it's up there one and two i don't know no 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 specific order but one and two um <laughs> yeah. going back to adesanya's height advantage i i feel like kelvin gasolum he, he he's gonna he's not gonna be able to beat adesanya on the ground because he can't take him down mm-hmm. so what he has to do, in my opinion, he has to, with head movement and with good footwork, he has to somehow get inside and test that chin of Adesanya. I'm pretty sure Adesanya can take a punch, mm-hmm. but you you just have to test that chin. Maybe some leg kicks here and there because, you know, it, it's usually, usually, you know, the, the taller dudes are the ones with the, with the weaker legs. And Adesanya, let's face it, he's not the biggest guy in the world. So test the legs, test the chin. But the the issue here is how are you gonna get in in range? How are you gonna get? How, how are you gonna shorten the distance? And how, well, how, how do you think Gasolum can can get that done? Yeah, I don't really think he can. I mean, if he was going against a guy that if he was going against a guy that had a nine inch reach that didn't know how to use his his reach and understand movement and distance and accuracy and and someone who has had over a like literally he has had over a hundred Muay Thai bouts in Asia many of them were unsanctioned I mean the dude is legit so he understands striking way better than way better than the highest levels in MMA I mean he's he's another level you know he's the new level like how Anderson shattered ceilings you know, 15 years ago, this is what he's doing now. And I don't see how Gasolin can do it because, as you said, he's going to have to kind of lunge and 
figure out a way to get through it, and there's no way he's going to be able to. I just I don't see how it's going to happen. Also, as you are trying to shorten that distance, you're going to get hit. Many times. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is only reasonable that you're going to get hit as you try to go inside and shorten that, that distance. So this matchup is such a disadvantage for Kelvin Gastelum. Of course, he has a puncher's chance. He's a good striker, mm-hmm. but... He knocked Bisping dead. Yeah, yeah, he did. So, funny you mentioned Bisping. I think he's going to have to pull off something like that. Like, that's the only way I see him winning. But then again, we go back to what we were just talking about. How is he going to get in range? How will he shorten that distance? It's it's just, for whatever Gasolum does good, Adesanya does great. So it just it it doesn't favor Gastelum at all. Yeah, you know he Gastelum is uh is very good friends with Henry Cejudo too, and Henry Cejudo has fabulous footwork, uh, and, and the way that he blends his striking with his takedowns together, and maybe if if Gastelum could do something like what Henry Cejudo can do, maybe that would be a way he can maybe close the distance. But outside of that, man, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's really 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 no no other way i'm still in awe with that that stat that you gave 85 percent takedown mm-hmm. defense that is incredible man that is incredible so now looking into the future a little bit adesanya against uh, whitaker gasolum against whitaker who do you think has a better chance to to win the the real title out of these two that are fighting on saturday Whew. Well, <clears throat> let's suppose that Robert Whitaker comes back. We have to suppose that he's going to come back the same fighter that he was before he got injured, right? Let's hope, yeah. Let's hope, right? I don't think Gastelum can beat Bobby Knuckles. I don't think he could beat Robert Whitaker. So let's turn our attention to Adesanya. I think he has the better, more realistic chance at, at, beating, uh, at beating Robert Whitaker. If this fight is to happen, they better do it in Australia. That's a gimme. You have to, right? I mean, you got Robert Whitaker, who's your Australian champion. You got uh, um, Adesanya, who is from New Zealand by way of uh, uh, Nigeria. So that just makes sense, man. You got to do it there. And Adesanya definitely has the better chance because he's a better striker. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know, man. It's projecting because so much, you have to take so much for granted, right? You have to suggest that Whitaker is going to come back the way he was when he fought Romero at 225 in Chicago. You have to uh, suppose that Adesanya is going to get past Gastelum and everybody stays healthy. But assuming everything does go that way, I think Adesanya is probably destined for a superstar. I mean, I think he would probably win that fight. He just looks like a superstar, too. You, you know what he's he looks aura, like? Yeah. He he looks like that like a kid that was bullied in school for watching anime, and then he, yeah. he like like he's just he grew up and he's like you know what screw all of you I'm gonna learn how to fight and if anyone wants to mess with me well then we can box it out you know like that's, that's just that's the type so of guy. But yeah, you you definitely don't want to mess with with Adesanya the, that that reach advantage and that that height advantage and you can't take him down. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he, he's, yeah. he's you're right. He has that aura of of a superstar. And speaking, he's so confident. Oh yeah, he is. He is. He he really is. It's kind of scary too how how he just like moves around and he dances 
the last style bender. What a what a nickname. It is, yeah, it's a great nickname. <laughs> uh all right. Well, the main event, Holloway Poirier. Dude, this fight, I mean, just compare it to what they did a few years ago. What was it, twenty twelve that they fought? Yeah, twenty twelve. I mean, it's it it's crazy. It's crazy. Like they don't even look the same. Yeah. They're yeah, totally different fighters. And now well now they're they're fighting at 155. So I mean, these stories of these two guys, Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier, just the way that they had to reinvent themselves in different times of their career, to me it it just attracts me to them and whatever they do. Max Holloway, of course, his last loss was against Conor McGregor in August of 2013. That is incredible. And he's just been on a tear. He's won his last four fights by TKO. And then against Ricardo Lamas, I'm pretty sure you recall those last few seconds of, of that fight. And then Holloway, you know, he, he came out with, with the victory. And then, of course, Poirier, you know, he, he went from being what, what, what McGregor, what, he called him, what, a peahead or something like that. You know, people <laughs> really wouldn't take him serious. And he said it himself. I'm not supposed to be here, but here I am. I don't know. I, I have such a weird feeling about this fight. And I, I can't put my finger on, on it. I don't know. What do you think about this fight, dude? It's so interesting. Yeah, I love Holloway. I love Poirier. I look forward to uh, when both of these guys fight, you know, especially if Holloway's defending his featherweight title. I just don't like these guys fighting each other right now. I, I just I don't I don't think this fight makes sense. But that being said, they're still gonna fight, regardless of what I think, right? So let's take a look at, at some of the, the interesting things I think here. You know, both of these guys are very similar, I think, when you take a look at the metrics. For instance, um, both guys land a ridiculous uh, significant shots landed per, per minute, right? Six point nine oh for Holloway, so almost seven. That is that's like that's probably number one or two all time, and then you got Poirier five point five nine. That's a very that's incredible too. Then you look at their accuracy. Holloway is accurate forty six percent of the time. Poirier forty nine percent. Shots absorbed per per minute. Four for Holloway. Three point six nine for Poirier. These guys are very very similar. Where they differ is in the grappling game. Max basically never attempts a takedown ever. He, uh, he averages one-third of one takedown per 15 minutes. So he's not looking to take anybody down. Uh, Poirier attempts 1.75, so almost two. Uh, he's accurate 41% of the time. He attempts a fair amount of submissions, too. Max, as we know, he can defend a takedown almost as good as Adesanya, 83% of the time. Oh, my God. And if you if you extrapolate that, it's probably more impressive than Adesanya is, even though it's two percent less because he has far more experience in the octagon. So that is a very impressive number. Um, you know, I mean, how's that gonna uh, how's that gonna affect the fight? I'm not too sure. Well, to be fair, that one time that they fought, well, Dustin Poirier did submit Max Holloway, but that was what seven years ago. It's oh yeah. It's completely different. Max Holloway, his striking, ridiculous, world class, so accurate, rarely misses a punch. Of course, or you know, and and his volume, 
his volume of of punches mm-hmm. he just doesn't stop man it breaks exactly. your will right there and he said something so interesting uh in 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 this countdown you have to watch it he uh he says there's nothing more beautiful than seeing the opponent's soul just leave his body and he does that by smothering you by ducking your punches by avoiding your takedowns and you know he he kind of just calls his shots during the fight he they, they were showing footage of of max um talking to joe rogan in between rounds against ortega like and he told him like yeah this is the round like pointing to the ground he's like yeah this is the round where i'm gonna finish him and he did finish the fight yeah i, I remember that yeah that's crazy that's insane and- yeah holloway's incredible man um you, you alluded to it he was only 20 years old when they first fought that was his first ufc fight too you know he was do you know that he was only 4-0 when when that fight happened mm-hmm. so yeah I mean, the dude was young. I mean, I went back and I actually watched that fight, dude. It was incredible to see, uh, to hear Mike Goldberg, how he was hyping Dustin Poirier so much. Like, Poirier was supposed to win that fight, man. Make no mistake about it. And, and, you know, of course he did. But it's important to note that Holloway only had four weeks to prepare for that fight because he was a last minute for a last minute. Two guys fell out of that fight. So he was, you know, a fairly late replacement. And Watching that fight, a couple of things were immediately jumped out at me. How much smaller Max Holloway was then than he is now. He's really grown into his body. And something that was pretty hilarious was when Bruce Buffer introduced Max to Blessed Holloway, he said, Max, blessed. He said, blessed Holloway. I thought that was pretty hilarious. But um, back <laughs> on a more serious note, you know, Max was really good back then. He was just as good as Poirier on the feet, if not better. Where Poirier won that fight was on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he ended up beating Max, as you mentioned, with a nasty mounted arm triangle that he, you know, kind of turned into an arm bar. Uh, yeah, this is really a pickup. I mean, if you put, I'm, I'm going to say Max Holloway's going to win, but it could go either way. Yeah, because we, we mentioned right now Max Holloway's world-class striking, but Dustin Poirier's striking isn't. It's not something that 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 you just overlook. His oh, striking great. is really good too. He he trains with I even wrote his name Dia Davis or Dia mm-hmm. Davis. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. He's a former boxer and he has his, his own boxing gym. And I was looking at how he was hitting the mitts. He 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 looked very crisp, Dustin Poirier. He just oh, looked yeah. really crisp when he was hitting the the mitts. And then you know he got hyped up. He's like, yeah, the end motherfucking knew. You know, sure. You gotta have that confidence. That's for sure. And dude, I agree with you. This is a pick 'em. I don't I wouldn't know who to choose for this fight. This is this is such a tough fight. And again, I told you about that funny feeling that I have. I, I don't know. I I I see Dustin getting his hand raised. I don't know why. I don't want to because I really like Max Holloway. <laughs> but uh it's so it's so difficult to to pick. And uh, you know, I I have some something right here for for you uh, to to listen to the last five fights per per guy. We talked about about Max Holloway's um, UFC 231, of course, December 8th of last year. He beat Ortega by TKO, and then uh, a year before that, UFC 218 against Aldo, he TKO'd him. And then the first time that they met was uh, UFC 2 212, June 6th. Um, he TKO'd him there. And then UFC 206, 
uh, on December 10th of 16, he TKO'd Anthony Pettis. Jesus. Okay, so those are four TKOs in a row. And um, and then UFC 199, of course, uh, unanimous decision against Ricardo Lamas. And then we, we mentioned, too, his last loss, August 17th of 2013. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this dude is on a fucking tear. And then Dustin Poirier, his last fight was against Eddie Alvarez, and uh, he beat him by, by TKO. And then he beat Justin Gaethje by TKO yeah. April of last year. I mean, it's almost going to, by the time he fights on Saturday night, it's almost going to be a, a year to the day he TKO'd him. And then he submitted Anthony Pettis uh, November of 17, um, majority decision against Miller, and then he lost against Michael Johnson. Uh, by yeah. KO, but that was in September of 2016. Then, of course, in between those fights, that no contest against Eddie Alvarez in May, about two years yeah. ago. So, <laughs> these guys are on serious streaks. Oh, yeah. Both hey, of them. Have you ever seen, there's an old documentary, it's called Fightville. Du- they feature Dustin Poirier. They follow around, I want to say, two or three local fighters in Louisiana this probably documentary was probably from like 2005 or six. It was, it, he was a local fighter still, and no one knew who he was. He wasn't even on the WEC scene yet. But it's a documentary. It's called Fightville. It's fucking awesome. And here he is on the verge of becoming a champion. And you gotta check it out, man. It's called Fightville. It's very cool. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now as we speak. Yeah, yeah Dustin with Moore, Crazy right? Tim Crater. He used to fight in the UFC too. He was the um, he used to train at that gym back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. And it just goes back yeah. to what Dustin Poirier said that he he really shouldn't be here, and that just shows how far he's made it in MMA in the UFC. Of course, he's getting a title shot. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine if he wins and then he fights Khabib next, like? Then that's that's that really wasn't supposed to happen. They kind of made this so Holloway and Khabib fight, mm-hmm. but Poirier might just mess everything up and say, "Yeah, I'm the one that's supposed to fight Khabib, not Holloway, not Connor, not Tony, Dustin Poirier." Wow, what two you know that, unbelievable stories? Yeah, go ahead. Do you know that Dustin Poirier and Daniel Cormier are from the same hometown? Mm, well, I mean, by the last names, I, I, I think, and they're both from Louisiana, so. Yeah, they're both from Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah. Cormier and Poirier. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they might be like third or fourth cousins, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How's their relationship? Because Cormier, you know, he can, uh, he can be I a think, little bit. I think Cormier is pretty fond of Dustin Poirier. I think I've heard him talk about, you know, because they're, you know, if you're from the same place on that level, I think you just have a natural affinity for someone, you know? Yeah. Well, eh, well I mean, uh, at least at least they get along, so that's good. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to ask you the hardest question of, of, of this episode. Uh-oh. Who is going to win and why? The main event? Yes, the main event. Holloway Ooh. Poirier. I'm going to say Max Holloway. And who? Oh, why? Oh, probably because he's impossible to take down. You can't take the motherfucker down. And um, his pace, man. 
you know, those are the two main differences, I think. He could put a pace on like only a handful of people this sport have ever seen. And he's very, very, very difficult to take down. And as I said earlier, I rewatched the first fight. And when they were on their feet, Max Holloway was, back then, Max Holloway was just as good, if not better, than Poirier on, on their feet. And I know both guys have gotten considerably better, but if we take that baseline out, leads me to believe that Holloway probably would still hold an edge in the striking. Now, I don't think Poirier is going to have as easy of a time getting Max to the ground that he did in that first fight. Mm-mm, not happening. Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. He's he's gained a lot of strength, a lot of octagon experience, which goes a long way. For Christ's sake, he's still the reigning featherweight champion. So I, I just think this fight's going to play out a lot differently. I think Max wins, man. Yeah, logically speaking, I think you're right. I think Max Holloway does have more tools the, the, to beat Dustin Poirier. Um, he can defend that takedown way better than he could seven years ago. But again, I, I, I don't know. I see something in Dustin Poirier that just, it just makes me see him as a champion. I don't know why. I kind of hope he wins because, yeah. because then that would allow Max Holloway to go back down to defend his damn title. You know, yeah. that's, yeah. you know, so I wouldn't mind seeing Poirier, you know, go and fight Khabib. I think that could be a very interesting fight. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people are talking about that possibility, but you're right. Right. It's total disrespect. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And usually the guys that get disrespected like that are the ones that end up getting their hands raised. So we got to be very, very careful. So if if Holloway wins, is he the champ champ? Or yeah. does it not count because it's just an interim? Well, I th- it, in the record book, I mean... I think it. I mean, I think it would count as champ, champ. I don't know if people would really recognize him as that, but I think you know if you're if you're really being nitpicky, I'm, I think it would have to count, right? Yeah, technically speaking, it should. But I mean, he's, he'll get a belt, right? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I guess he he has the opportunity to be to be the champ, champ. What is this like the fourth? One, it's lost or the it, third. It, yeah. Yeah. It is long since lost its luster. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Conor McGregor did it. Cool. Then who was who was it was it D C that did it? D C did it. Yeah. Then um then Nunez did it. Oh, then yeah. now Ryan Bader. The, you're having guys in LFA becoming double champs now. It's played out, you know. Yeah, it's not that cool. But if Holloway does it, he might just make it cool again, so good point. <laughs> he might be the dude to do it. Yeah, 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 uh, dude. What, what a night of fights we're gonna have, especially those two title fights. Like that's this is really what the UFC is is about. What like an, an organization that that makes really, really, really incredible title fights. That looking at it as a boxing fan, I'm like, man, I wish I can see Errol Spence against Terence Crawford like in a few months. You know. But yeah. it just it doesn't happen, and to be fair, that happens in MMA where we get the fights that we want to see. Not just the UFC, but since the UFC is you know the the organization in MMA, I use it as an example. But but still, man, that's this is going to be a historic night. Just however you look at it, it's going to be insane. Yeah, it's the first uh, first 
pay-per-view or first night ever that two interim title belts will be on the line. So that's, you know, historic for sure. Yes, I hope so. And like we said in uh, UFC 235, I don't know if you remember, I prayed to the MMA gods during the show that nothing happens. Yeah. And it it worked. So I'm going to pray to them again and (laughs) hoping that the MMA gods are listening to this and we get no injuries on the prelims or on ESPN card or on the main card, no injuries. We want to see these fights because they're going to be unbelievable. Mike, I hope you join me in my prayer to the MMA gods. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, for sure, man. Mike, we did it. Our first episode together as the official co-host. How did you feel? Give us some feedback, dude. We're working together again after so long. This is awesome. Yeah, for sure, man. It feels good. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we got started on this weekend. I think it's a good week, a uh, good weekend of fights. So, couldn't be, uh, could have been more perfect. I also want to mention one other thing, man. Lauren Mueller is fighting. Super hot. Check her out. She's fighting on the undercard. She's fighting Pagliano uh, Botello. That's going to be a, it's a 115 pound women's fight. So they always bring it, but she's super sexy. Check that out. But yeah, man. I think you said it best. There's a really, there's a lot of really, really good fights capped off by two historic title fights. So you can't get excited for this. You're, you're not a fan of the sport, right? Yeah, yeah, not, not really. I mean, just people find shit to say all the time, but it is what it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll enjoy this. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. Um, you want to plug away your stuff, your social media. I know you had a, a rebranding a few, a few weeks ago. So keep the people posted. Uh, yeah, my work, you can find it at uh, lowkickmmabjpen.com, Cageside Press, and my YouTube channel is Mike Strauss, Mike Mike MMA. All my social media is Mike Mike MMA. All right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram at Dirty Brawlers. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Perez FC. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe, follow, rate, review goes a long way to building the audience to building the show and i mean if, if if there's any questions about mma or boxing or if you want to talk some wrestling if you want to be a guest on the show i mean we have an open door policy i sound like a teacher now uh, <laughs> we have an open door policy where dude, just just send them send us a message it'll it'll get to us we'll respond and we'll talk about whatever you want us to to talk about or if you want to be on the show you want to call in it's easy it's very simple we just want to build this audience and make this show the best fight talk podcast available the best independent fight talk podcast available on social media and everywhere that you can listen to your podcast mike thank you very much enjoy the fights you too thanks man take care goodbye everyone